You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday evening. Time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How's everybody doing? My guest tonight in studio, Mr. Caleb Stills. How yeah, are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for coming in. This, is, uh, this has been kind of an interesting, uh, you know, I could say it's been a long time coming because you are uh, Kate's fiance. So, That's right. Uh, so uh, she might not want to admit that in public. <laughs> I saw it was on Depends Facebook. Depends which so. outfit you're in. <laughs> I thought it was good. That's better than what I was going with. I was going to say it depends on the day of the week, but. <laughs> That well, too sometimes. <laughs> well, because she she mentioned uh, I don't know when I found out that you're you're a pro wrestler, but uh, it was recently. It was maybe like uh, as soon as like a couple months ago, and I was like, "That's really fucking interesting." So I was, right. like, as soon as she told me, I'm like, "Well, I mean, like, is he willing to come bulb. in?" So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so here we are, man. But um, but yeah. So uh, I I always start the interview off the exact same question. That question is, "Where were you born?" I was born at. Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. No kidding. Yep. October 16th, 1979. If I remember correctly, I, I actually saw the birth certificate, and I think I was born like 2 in the afternoon. Really? Which is a weird time, because you always hear stories of people being born like in the middle of the night yeah. during a rainstorm. Yeah. I mean, it's a better story than, no, I was just uh, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just you- kind of popped me out. Yeah, I think I was born at like midnight. Oh, wow. Like, barely <laughs> I was born 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, so I literally the beginning oh, I bet of the she's week. She's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom at that time went to church a lot too. So yeah, oh yeah. Like, well, at least she him, had a good reason to, to miss the day, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll understand. She got a yeah. day off. <laughs> <laughs> um, my uh, my brothers are actually born at that exact same hospital though too. Both of my, my oh brothers, okay, so right that's on. Funny. Um, but uh, so uh, you. Uh, Mentioned before the show, you were raised by your grandfather. Uh, yes. Can you, you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I actually uh, – we, we were talking off air about my wrestling name. My, my real name's Dave. My wrestling name's Caleb Stills. I actually for a short time was thinking about wrestling as my grandpa's name is an ode to him. He passed away January of 2015. I was going to call myself Ollie. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't think it flowed right and I was like, let's – just I don't know. Just something in me was like, let's not name myself after my family. So I, I Caleb just sounded like a cool name. I had a list of names that my buddy was helping. Uh, some we call students greenhorns, like guys breaking in, and it was just a name on the list. And I'm like, hey, I like that. And I'll cut my last name in half. Boom, Caleb Stills. But yeah, uh, to go back to my grandpa. Yeah, he he raised me from seventh grade on. And uh, I was actually lived in Hazel Park for most of my life. But when I moved in with him in Madison Heights, Michigan, and uh, graduated high school, and then shortly after, he moved. He actually met a lady that was 30 years younger than him. Grandpa's kind of a pimp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was a nurse's assistant at a hospital down in Virginia, Hayside, Virginia, which is actually where he grew up. Yeah, she worked with his uh, brother's wife. So uh, they met, he moved down there, and he left me with the house. But, yeah, uh, until I was about 19, yeah, he raised me from, you know, 13 on. And and actually, when I was in my, like, younger years, like 5 to 10, like, my dad wasn't really around. So he was actually he always take me on the weekend. So really close to my grandpa. Yeah. What did what did he do for a living, your grandpa? Uh, Toolmaker for Chrysler oh, at Mount okay. Rhodigian Plant, which has now since been torn down. But yeah. yeah, he was there for over 30 years. I want to say 32, but I, 
You can ask Kate. My memory's not always the greatest when it comes to semantics like that. Well, I mean, you've only been hit in the head how many times? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a story for later. I with usually the let it slide. Yeah. It's a good excuse. <laughs> and, and I've learned from uh, past experiences not to lay on that one too much. You know, don't always use the concussion as a go to because my memory was bad as a kid, so I can't I'll blame it all on that. Well, kind of tying into that, I guess. Uh, what kind of a student were you? I uh, I would say. Uh, Without actually trying, I was normally around a C, C minus. When, I, when I'd actually put myself into something and really work at it, I could get a B, but I, I was like middle of the road. I just kind of coasted through until my senior year, and then it was close to where I wouldn't have enough uh, credits to graduate, so I was either buckle down or go to summer school. So I was actually like an assistant at 6 in the morning in the cafeteria helping lunch ladies making uh, salads oh, no and, and prepping the food, yeah. To the point they loved me to the to the fact that they gave me uh, a graduation present. Most of my family didn't come to my graduation party, but they did. Oh my so that God. was crazy. A bunch of like 70 to 80-year-old ladies. What did they give you? I have to ask. Just, just cash. Oh, okay. But they, they gave it. They, they wanted it to go towards college. Uh-huh. Little did they know. It went to a school, but it went to wrestling school, <laughs> not yeah, a college. Yeah. Wrestling college. It's different. I thought it was going to be – for some reason, I thought it might be like some sort of like lunchroom-themed gift or something. Like they gave you like a refrigerator or something, you know, like from the kid, like one of those huge refrigerators. <laughs> oh, I, I th- you know? Yeah, like one of the freezers. That would have been yeah. awesome nowadays. Here's a ladle and a tray. <laughs> yeah. And a year's supply of sandwiches. Yeah. Um, well uh, – Let's get into the wrestling because that was uh, like n- most of my questions here are about wrestling. I Indeed. I have to uh, to say just for the audience's I uh, reference, I am pretty ignorant when it comes to pro wrestling. I know who The Rock is. I know who Hulk Hogan is. I know about the you know the the really famous, super famous, uh, right. classic uh, wrestlers. But as far as the sport itself. And you know, it just occurred to me. You ever see the movie The Wrestler with uh, Mickey Rourke? Oh yeah, yeah, that, definitely. Uh, that that probably is the extent of my wrestling knowledge there. That movie and the guys that I just mentioned. So um, I'm going to be asking you some kind of basic sounding stuff uh, right as we go on. But the first question that I have uh, uh, regarding wrestling is: How did you get into wrestling, and why do you think you gravitated towards wrestling, this particular sport? Well, I'm going to reverse that. the The reason I gravitated towards it would be the larger than life characters. Uh, as a kid, I didn't talk about it before, but I was uh, very timid and shy in my own shell. And just the appearance of these guys in these colorful outfits, and they didn't seem to be afraid of anything. I was like, I, I think I could do that. It's almost fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Like convince yourself that, yeah, that's a possibility. So to go to the other part of the question, I was actually – I want to say it was on a weekend. I was just flipping through the channels, nothing was on. And I came across a public uh, public cable access show and really grainy. Like we're talking – this is 97, so we'll go back a little bit. Uh, so like technology wasn't that great. You know what I mean? There was no high-def TVs. So I, I just see these these two guys. One was in a mask wrestling in this really crappy ring in this like – it looked like a Salvation Army or something like that. Uh, and I was like hooked right away anyway. I'm like, what is this? And then during the show – it flashed a little uh, commercial, which is <laughs> a nice way of putting it. Basically, they just had a flash screen with some text mm-hmm. and, like, some bad music in the background saying, uh, Can-Am Wrestling School in Windsor, Ontario, you know, so you want to be a wrestler was the big tagline. And uh, I called the next day and set up an appointment for the next week. Uh, it was on uh, during the summer of 97, so I set it up. It, I want to say this was, like, July or August. 
But I went in there for a tryout. I think it was like 50 bucks to try. So you just go in there. They show you a couple of things to see. And basically the, what it means by tryout for you. Like they'll take anyone if you're willing to make it through practice. But they want to see if if you felt like it was something for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I had a rough go. I wasn't a very athletic kid. Like I tried to play basketball, but I was a guy riding the pine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I was. A, they wanted to call me a forward, but I, I never saw a court time. And uh, I went in there, and I was just hooked right away. The the guy that was my trainer was Doug Chevalier, uh, the original Canadian destroyer, which on my right forearm I have a tattoo of his mask uh. I just got recently. Yeah, and uh, I just from then on, I was in. And then that was summer of 97, so you were 18? 17. 17. 17. So that was – and it was kind of a fluke then. I mean you just, you just happened to see this commercial and you were like – I mean you had a, a sort of an interest in it before. Right. But that was the thing that sparked it. And you were like, I'm going to go do this now. Right. Yeah, and, it, it was weird. Like I, I don't know if I call it an aha moment, but I was just like, I, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. It just – in. I was never proactive either as a kid. I had much more now than I was then. But it, it was just like, th- this is for me. So I, I don't know if it's like, if you believe in, like, I'm not religious, but I don't know if you believe in fate, but I just it just felt like it was meant to be. I was going to say, it's almost like the universe fed it to you or something like Kinda. that. It was just like, bam, it's like, okay, here you go. It's, yeah, it's here's, your, here's your calling. This is going to make sure you're broke for years yeah. and broke down <laughs> as a person and your car. In many, in many different ways, uh, right. on many levels. Um, uh, who You kind of went into this a little bit, um, but specifically, like, who are some of your influences or wrestlers that you admire? I mean, not just back when you were a kid, but, you know, nowadays, too. It, it changes. Once you get into the business of wrestling, like, you, you appreciate different things. You appreciate work ethic. You appreciate character. Uh, when I was younger, I just basically was looking at the, the what the guys looked like, you know, or the cool character, or the way he talked on the mic, which we call promos. Uh, so nowadays I would say Jake the Snake is mm-hmm. is definitely one of my one of one of the guys I look up to and I've got to meet him on a couple different occasions. Never got to be in the ring with him, but definitely got to sit under the learning tree in the back and just listen to stories and he watched one of my matches and gave me some tips. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So in wrestling we call it marking out, like when you, when you act like a fan, but I was just like, man, this is awesome. I was an 8-9 year old kid watching uh superstars uh, on TV, seeing Jake the Snake uh, blinding uh, Honky Tonk Man. Now I'm actually getting tips from him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's some, that's that, that's great when that happens, like full circle type stuff like that. Right. Um, so uh, what what about him particularly did you admire? Like what, why, why him specifically? I like the way he talks on the mic. He talks – it feels like he's talking to you. Like when you're watching him on TV, it feels like he's talking through the TV set and he's talking right to you. He doesn't yell like all the 80s wrestlers. Like, Let me tell you something, brother. When I get you in the ring this Saturday night, I'm going to break your back. And I'm going to set you up for the big fall. You know what I mean? He would just talk to you. And he, he would talk. Uh, he's talked about this in interviews almost like in a whisper. So you had to turn the, turn the volume up and you had to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Be like this Friday night when you're standing across the ring. What do you see? What do you fear? Like stuff like that, and then I'm like, what is he? What is he talking about? What is he going to do to this guy? Like it, it, it kind of creeped you out, but it it pulled you in. Like mm-hmm. it was intriguing. You know what I mean? Huh. Uh, so, um, 
after you took that uh, that class then in, in Windsor at the age of seventeen, what happened after that? Like, where did you? What was the what was the next step after you took that class? Okay, I, I might jump around a little bit. So that's fine, man. That's I apologize now no, no, for no, nice everybody listening. Yeah, uh, so I started training in Windsor. A couple months after I was uh, training, they shut down the school. The The guy that actually ran the school was uh, Scott Demore. He actually runs Impact Wrestling right now, which is on, I want to say it's on Anthem, so a lesser-known TV channel. But, I mean, at the time, like, he was getting into his dad's uh, construction business, and I think he was re- traveling with wrestling a lot. I'm not really sure. I can't speak on it, but he closed the school. So I actually went over to Michigan, uh, Flat Rock, Michigan. Canadian Destroyer opened up a school with a guy, Gene Miller. And Gene Miller used to wrestle as a Stone Cold knockoff, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin knockoff, called himself Hard Time Gene Austin. Mm-hmm. And supposedly his character was he was Stone Cold's older brother. I, I want to say it was older brother. I think he was saying he was younger, but he looked at least, I love you, Gene, but he looked like 15 years older than uh, Stone Cold. So it, we actually was uh, running a school out of a strip mall. It used to be a pet store. So that was weird. Like there was these old broken aquariums in the room and a bunch of weird toys. It, it, they didn't even bother cleaning it up. They just basically put a ring in there and go, hey, we have a wrestling school. Oh, my gosh. The bathroom kind of worked. <laughs> <laughs> like there sort of was running water but no electricity. But the heat worked somehow. I don't know. So so you you just started going to this particular school down in Flat Rock. Yeah, and, and I finished where... there, and they, th- that one was called uh, NWA Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Finished there. It took me about a year. So in wrestling, it t- there's uh, a school I help out. I'm jumping around a little bit. In Warren, Michigan, called House of Truth, ran by Truth Martini. He used to be uh, in Ring of Honor as a wrestling manager. He was a wrestler back in the day, but he some neck problems and issues so he had to retire but he opened his own wrestling school and he became a pro wrestling manager like an on-air talent doing promos and stuff for wrestlers that couldn't really talk on the mic Mm -hmm. because that's kind of a thing that's why there are wrestling managers for guys that can't like me my first i would say 15 years didn't know how to speak so it's like hey you just look like you know what you're doing and this guy's going to talk for you over here oh okay so yeah so about a year finished up there and then i had my first match which let me tell you about this it was a four-on-one and we were wrestling a guy that was about 400 pounds. He was using the name Judge Dredd from the TV show and comic book. But he looked nothing like it. He looked like a biker that could have been on Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Yeah, and he just, like, pummeled us for about five to seven minutes. And when he actually uh, got the pin, the one, two, three on me, he had my foot. He had his foot right on my chest, putting all of his weight on there. A lot of the wrestlers, when a new guy breaks in, they call it welcome to the business. Mm-hmm. We don't really do it. I don't do that anymore. Like, I'm not into that. But guys will, like, kind of beat up the rookies a little bit for the first couple of matches. It's hazing. It's fairly yeah. illegal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's definitely discouraged nowadays. Like, whenever I see it happening, I kind of step in. Because to me, it's just another form of bullying. Like, that's not cool. And no one learns from that. That's just like, hey, this guy picked on you, so you're going to pick on the next guy. I, I don't I don't really agree with that, but yeah. So that four on one that was uh, my welcome to wrestling. Okay, uh, backing up a little bit. Uh, in, no in, in the school, what did you like? What did you learn specifically? Like, what was what was the the training process like? So every wrestling school is different. Mine was you learn as you go. The first thing you're taught during that tryout I was telling you about before, you learned how to lock up, you learned how to fall on your back, which is called a back bump. You learned how to hit the ropes. That was it on the first day. And basically, they just had you run the ropes until you almost wanted to puke. 
I did later on that day, not while I was there. Uh-huh. And then uh, basically, the, if you're willing to come back, then they tell you what the price is. And then uh, you start from there and you learn the basics first. So you learn how to lock up and you learn what we call chain wrestling. It's like the basic grappling. A lot of what you see in MMA, like the trying to fight for fight for control, like how to take a headlock, how to put a guy in an arm bar, how to reverse the arm bar, how to take the guy down, how to do reversals from there. And then you learn how to fall. Like a front flip is called a front bump. So uh, basically there's three kind of bumps in wrestling is the way we look at it. There's a back bump falling on your back. There's a front bump where you take a front flip. So that'd be a body slam, a suplex, a power bomb. Any of those, that would be considered a front bump. And then there's what's called a sprawl. So that's just flattening out on your chest. So taking a DDT, like driving your, the guy's head into the ground, you just fall flat. So, and so did you find yourself like um, – because you probably were already familiar with some of these moves and things. Did you find yourself uh, – like picking them up immediately or did it take it did it take you a little bit to get used to them? <laughs> actually the opposite <laughs> i was the opposite like it took me a year to have my first match and then i would say for the first couple me two to two and a half years total i was barely getting matches back then there wasn't wrestling shows every weekend and within 10 20 miles you know what i mean like you can throw a stone and find a wrestling show nowadays but it used to be like you'd have to travel. Like there'd be like one a month in Michigan, maybe two. You'd have to go to Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, uh, just to just to get a few matches here and there. Like and then travel to the East Coast was a hotbed back then. Uh, still is like uh, that's where WrestleMania was: New Jersey, New York, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Like these are all like hotbeds for wrestling. But it must have that. You must have really loved it right off the bat, though. Wasn't it the sort of situation where you started doing it? You're like, well, this isn't what I expected. Like, you immediately were like, I don't care if I have to travel to Pittsburgh. I'm going to go where I need to go to do this. Yeah, I was I was basically the – I'm trying to think way, but I had a never-say-die attitude. I, I just wanted it that bad. But if you'd asked anyone else that was training around the same time me or the trainers that were around when I was training – None of them thought I was going to finish. Mm-hmm. I was the last guy in the class that they thought would have done anything. If you were to go back and tell those guys, hey, this this kid's done some extra work for WWE. He's traveled and wrestled for, like, Ring of Honor. He's traveled all throughout the U.S. and Canada. No one would have believed that. I mean, there's guys who have done a lot more than me, but I've done quite a bit with what I've been given, like, my my talent level. Basically, that's why there's a quote that uh, – I'm trying to remember how it goes – Hard work beats talent when talent gives up. That's a great quote. Who yeah. said that? I don't know where I found it. It's basically I saw it on a magnet. To be on, on a fridge, dude. Yeah. Some of the best quotes come from kitchen magnets. <laughs> yeah, they, you know? I was gonna say uh, we have a kitchen magnet holding up a pretty fancy wrestling photo of Dave. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Go ahead. Uh, it's back from you were still in high school, and for that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this really old. So he brought over these newspaper clippings and like a bunch of stuff to use for one of our bonfires, right? Well, we're going through and we're like, yeah, for a starter, this this guy in this picture looks like Dave, and this is a really old newspaper. Sure enough, it was one of his like 
OG, like the one of the first things he ever did. He got in this newspaper and it was his original wrestling name. He went by Gutter, which is a story in itself. <laughs> so we have the article just on the fridge now. So whenever you open our fridge, you get a you get a nice little taste of gutter. That's pretty cool that you just <laughs> randomly saw it. You he know thought I mean? we like, weren't gonna find it. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, I just put the papers down and actually because uh, it was the cover of the sports section, so I didn't think anyone would notice it. It was just in there because I it wasn't just clippings, it was the full papers. There was a couple clippings. Because I bought a bunch of them when it first came out because that was the first time I was ever in print. So I was like, this is awesome. So I bought all of them, all the Daily Tribunes that they had at the party store around the corner from me. And I don't need that many. So I, ke- I kept one and gave it to my mom, the other one. So we, I didn't need the rest of them because that one was laminated. So I'm like, here, I'll just burn these. I was trying to get away, away from having all that crap. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, obviously they found them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, were were you gutter on that? And when you started off, then was that your uh, your first match and all that? Was that your persona right off the bat? Actually, that's another good little story. So gutter is not my first wrestling name. My first wrestling name was tie dye kid. Tie dye kid. Yeah, my stepdad. A little more to the story. The stepdad I had, uh, Bob. He uh, worked at UPS. Good guy. He was a good guy. He was around until I was eighteen. We're still friends. Actually, he was a big deadhead. Like traveled with the dead. Back when he was a kid. So he uh, he he was always giving me like Grateful Dead t-shirts for birthdays and Christmases and stuff. And so I was hooked. So I was like, hey, because I was a big fan of 123 Kid who ended up being X-Pac. I, I, you probably – I doubt you ever heard of him. But he, mm-hmm. well-known in wrestling. He was part of the two biggest factions in wrestling, DX and uh, NWO. In fact, he just got inducted into WWE Hall of Fame during WrestleMania weekend last week. Anyway, so I was like, hey, I can be tie-dye kid. I thought it was cool. So I got ribbed and, like, picked on, not really picked on, just joked about in the locker room for years for that. Still, some of my old friends that don't really wrestle anymore but used to, they still pick on me for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't, don't, get, don't get the tie-dye kid pissed off. <laughs> you don't want to see it? Because my big line, I, didn't, I was so nervous. So I'd just go out there, and it was just like a bunch of bundled up energy and i just yell you want to see it <laughs> i don't know what i was going to show them what it was but they want to see it they're going to see it what was your like uniform what did you wear oh boy so so i was a big chubby kid so in pasty white so i had a cut off tie-dye t-shirt i had a bunch of tie-dye shirts made which i was selling them at shows and bandanas so i had a tie-dye bandana on uh i had short hair uh short spiky hair clean shaven uh, tie-dye t-shirt. I had the, I cut up some of the shirts and used them as fringe on my arms, which they pick on me. He's like, Hey, what's, uh, what's those pipe cleaners coming out of your shirt? Oh, those are your arms. <laughs> Cause, uh, the strings weren't much smaller than my arms were. <laughs> and, uh, I had, I actually had tie-dye long tights that were made too, that had TVK on the back of them for tie-dye kid. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I had these really bright blue boots that I had these weird smiley faces airbrushed on each boot. And I got picked on for that too. But this is all stuff as a kid I thought was cool until I actually started wearing it. And I was like, oh, this ain't cool. (laughs) How how long did that last then? How long were you the tie-dye kid? Again, my memory is not the greatest. I want to say two years. So it was pretty, it was, wasn't that long considering, I mean, you've been doing it for 20 years now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it was a drop in the bucket, Mm -hmm. maybe even like a year and a half. And then I, I went through a bunch of, I call it identity crisis because I was trying to find something that would work and figure out something that would uh, stick. So I went through a bunch of stuff. I wrestled as myself before I was Dave uh, Dave Stiltner. I was trying to – sensational Dave Stiltner. 
that was another name. And there wasn't really any characters beyond these. It was just like a different name and different colored tights. <laughs> yeah. So that was like these bright silver and blue tights that had my last name going down one leg. And I had a, a vest. So this is super 90s because all wrestlers were doing this kind of stuff. Airbrushed everything. So I had an airbrush vest that said sensational on the back. It was pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I was called the American Destroyer because I tagged with my trainer. That was actually the coolest one. If I would have got to keep doing that, but unfortunately he passed away shortly after. We were called the Can-Am Destroyers. Uh. And then he ended up tagging after me, tagged with someone else, one other person. He called him Canadian Destroyer 2, and then he passed away shortly after. But, uh, yeah, I had a bunch of names until I fell on gutter. Let me let me ask you, before we uh, get into the gutter stuff, like, because this is a good time to ask that, t- tell us about, like, how you put together a persona or, like, a, and fi- you know, how do you find a name? And then once you find a name that you feel like works for you, how do you put together your the your character? Act? Your yeah, shtick. the character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so gutter, I thought it was cool because it was uh, late '90s, early 2000. It was probably around 2000, 2001 when I came up with gutter. She's okay, laughing. Kate's over laughing. Here. Listening. Yeah. <laughs> listening. So 2000, 2001, the it was the Attitude Era in WWE. So it was basically there. Everybody was trying to push the limit. Well, everyone had more of like rock star names, like The Rock, Triple H, Stone Cold. They were shortened. So I was like, I want a one-word name. So I was literally going around the house looking at stuff. What could I use? And I was like, well, I know I'm kind of a weird person anyways. Like, I want something that's like that. And I was a big fan of George Animal Steel. I was like, I would love to have, like, a crazy character. What would be a cool name? And I was just going through, and I thought – I was looking up, and I go, Gutter. I was looking at the – I was standing outside, and I was looking at the house, and I go, Gutter. That works. Like, I thought it was cool. Like – I mean, for a while it was, and later on I can talk about it. It just got stale for me because I did that character for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And everyone asked, why, why don't you do it anymore? Like, that, that was our favorite because everything runs its course. You know what I mean? Right. And it would be cool to bring it back for a short period of time for the nostalgia of it. But then it would get stale again because it, it's a one-dimensional character. Uh, so I came up with the name first, and I knew I wanted to be like this weird, eccentric, like crazy guy. So I had to come up with what that was. Well, I was never that built when I was younger. I was kind of flabby still. I lost weight at that point, but I was like, I need something to cover it up. So I was thinking maybe a homeless guy. And uh, so I was a crazy homeless guy, and I didn't really wear tights. I wore long johns that were ripped up. I had wrestling boots, but they were a buddy of mine's that were all beat up. So I got those from him, and I made them look even more beat up. Like I spray-painted them, and I kind of sandpapered one side so it looked like I found these in a dumpster. And I had, like, ripped up uh, sleeveless um, hoodies slash plaid shirts and stuff like that. Like, And I would get weird shirts from, like, Hot Topics or any random store that have weird sayings on it. One said, the penguins are coming for my mind. <laughs> Another one said, I'm afraid of clowns. Like, it was just weird stuff like that until I started coming up with my own designs and I had T-shirts to sell. And it was – I drew this weird-looking gutter – and then it opened up at the bottom and it said my name. So it was like my name was coming out of the gutter saying gutter. And then on the back, it was voices plus Cindy equals you lose. So uh-huh. very generic, basic stuff. He doesn't know who Cindy is. Okay. Yeah. Let me go in a little bit. Like I said, I'll be – I'm sorry I jump around a lot because there's so much information. So Cindy in real life is – I was talking about my stepdad. It's his daughter, my, my uh, stepsister Cindy. I used her name because I was like – a buddy of mine, 
let me go back a little farther. So when I was coming out with a character, I was like, well, I need something to go with it. Something I can't just be a guy talking to voices in the sky, which is what I did for my first couple matches. And then uh, a buddy of mine who's also a professional wrestler from the area, amazing Nate Matson, he came up with the idea, why don't you have a piece of downspout? And uh, I was like, well, I need a name of that. Like, it can be my friend. So I'm like, well, I was always close to her, so it can be Cindy. Cindy's my friend. So I will talk to her, and, I, and if someone makes me mad or tries to touch her, I will hit them with her. Like, that was what happened with that character. That's where we went with I saw where that was going as soon as you said, like, I, the, the, you get a piece of downspout. I was like, yeah. oh, that, okay. That's really cool, actually, because yeah. that, that really just came together then. He still drives around with some in his car, in case you're curious. Oh, really? Just in case. It's <laughs> not just in case, babe. So, actually, <laughs> I, I do have the last See what piece. I live with. <laughs> I am eccentric, and that's her words, not mine. Like, I, But, so... Uh, in another sidebar, I'm a minimalist. I don't have a bunch of stuff, and I was kind of getting rid of uh, everything I had in storage. Well, I had a couple downspouts from when I used to do the character still that I never used. So I just put them in my car because I was like, maybe I'll use them or maybe I can just give them to a friend of mine that thought the character was cool. Because I, I thought about doing it on, like, fair shows. Like, sometimes there will be some bought re- uh, wrestling shows at fairs. And those ones, like, that character would be good for that mm-hmm. because, like, that's very visual – uh, hitting people with the downspout doesn't hurt. It's aluminum. As long as you don't reuse it because it will become sharp edges once it bends mm-hmm. and it pops. But it makes a good noise, too, when you hit them. So, like, I always saved it for big matches. Plus, because those those things weren't cheap, so I was trying to make them last as long as I could. Right, right. So, yeah, that was basically where that ca- character came from. Uh, and then you, you used that persona for a decade, then, you said. I would so. say at least, yeah, a decade to 12 years, 10, 12 years. So is that the one that you've that you used for the longest out of of your whole career, or have you been Caleb Stills longer than you were Gutter? I would say Gutter's still the longest range. I'm getting close with Caleb Stills because I started Stills in 2011, and I was still like I would randomly wrestle as Gutter here or there, but I would say 2011 on I've been doing. Uh, Wrestling as Caleb Stills. But he mixes in some other personalities in between. Yeah, there's another character <laughs> we can talk about in a little bit that I've been doing a lot more. Okay. It's my it's my mask character. It's my ode to my trainer. Like I came up with my own mask character. Okay. Um well uh why don't you tell me about because uh, we went over uh Caleb Stills and how you came up with that name. Here's something I could ask you about. Uh, are you? Uh, how do you determine if you're like? I think the term is heel. If you're a bad guy, or if you're, I, I don't know if it's a hero or the good guy or whatever. Yeah. How do you determine like, you know, what you are depending on the character, and then does it change like match to match, or I mean, just how does that how does that work, and what have you been uh, for the most part? Uh, yes, it does matter on the match. It matters on the promotion, what they want you to be. It's not always the character. Some characters are kind of meant to be a a heel mm-hmm. more than a baby. I w- and some are a baby face character. Like uh, my buddy who wrestles in Mysterious Movado, his character, it's a mass character, very colorful, like he, a luchador. So it's that, that Mexican style of wrestling. He's a good guy, which we would actually, you, you can call it nowadays. There's so many different terms. You can just say good guy, bad guy, or hero or villain. Mm-hmm. But the old terms used to be heel or babyface, which got knocked down to face. Okay. Because babyface is like clean shaven good guy that's wearing like white. You know, kind of like the old uh westerns. Like yeah. the, the the good cowboy had the white hat, the sheriff, and then the bad villain had the black hat. 
So it was like, so like if you're a bad guy, you had all black like gear, like black boots, black tights, the trunks. Right. Yeah. I remember if, if uh, again, uh, what little I know, I do remember that The Rock, when The Rock started out, wasn't The Rock a baby face and then that didn't work out. So he decided I'm going to become a heel. Yeah. He kind of fell right into it. Yeah. There you go. See, I'm picking it up. There we go. I'm yeah, a, the crowd was actually chanting, die, Rocky, die, when he was a good guy. Because <laughs> that was the beginning of the Attitude Era. So everyone, they didn't want that that super nice guy like Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. He came in as a good guy being, you know, he's Olympic gold medalist. Like, he's an American hero. Crowd was like, boo. Because that was during the time Stone Cold's bashing people with beers, you know, hitting stunners, flipping people off. That's what people considered a good guy at that time. You know, that was... That's what people wanted to see. So if you're over the top, nice, like normally that's going to be taken as a bad guy, villain, heel. You know what I mean? What's it uh, like today? Like what are the what do they prefer now? What are people now? Wanting? It's almost I wouldn't say taken a 180, but it depends on the show. So there's alternative wrestling shows. I did one last week, which was called Old Wrestling with an E at the end. Some people pronounce it oldie. I think it would still be pronounced old. Old Wrestling, which is like vintage 1920s wrestling. So everything's in black and white. Uh, the fans dress up nice. It was at the Detroit Whiskey Distillery, I believe is the name of it, down in uh, Detroit where the Strolls building used to be. Okay. Yeah, so, like, uh, there, there's a masked character called uh, Space Monkey, and he wrestled on that show. So instead of being his normal self, he still had the, the monkey mask and the suit, but he had a red uh, vest and the red little hat, and he was a symbol monkey, and he came out with the symbols clapping them. <laughs> The crowd loves it. He's big, big hero on those shows. So, like, uh, I, I was actually a bad guy in that show. I was, I was Caleb Stills, but I was the madman from Macomb. Uh-huh. I was this escaped. I was kind of gutter because I was this escaped crazed convict that everything I was wearing was stolen. Mm-hmm. So I had a hat and an overcoat that kind of looked like steampunkish. Every a t- broken timepiece that I was opening up in front of the crowd. I was trying to take things from the crowd, steal their popcorn, grab their beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, it de- so it depends on the show. And it depends on the crowd because crowds nowadays, they want to be entertained. They know it's a show. So they want to be convinced. They want you to pull them into the story. They want to believe it's real just like they would at the theater with a movie. Just for that couple hours, take me away from my reality because maybe I had a crappy day at work. Maybe my boss yelled at me. Maybe my girlfriend yelled at me. Maybe my kids won't do the dishes. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, babe. So, you know, all those reasons. I want something. I want an escape. Wrestling is an escape for people. Mm -hmm. And for me, as like a second job, it's an escape. You know, I have a bad day at work or, you know, like I get an extra bill in the mail. I'm like, I need something. You know what I mean? So I get to punch people in the face and get paid for it. That's one hell of a release there. I've, there you I've, go. I've never done it, but uh, I imagine it would be excellent, very yeah. cathartic. Yeah, kind of like going to do like uh, my release before used to be Krav Maga. I did that for a couple of years. Just just things to help get the anger out because I, I don't want that bundled up and take it out on people. So it's just like – Let's do it somewhere where it's constructive, you know what I mean? Right, and it's healthy, right? Like, Definitely. They just, they just did a study, and I mean this isn't uh, – this is sort of related, but um, they said that uh, people who listen to metal music, like heavy metal, are actually more chill than people that listen to other types of music because they're, they're, they're releasing their aggression in a very uh, constructive and non and harmless way, really. I mean if you're just going to headbang or whatever. Right on, yeah. So, I, but, I've never heard that, but I believe it. Yeah, they are more even keeled. And then you see the guy that's in the office that 
got the button up and the glasses and he just goes off on his boss one day after 20 years because he never let the anger out until it hit that blowing point. You know yeah, I mean? they didn't have the pressure vent. You know? Yeah. And, and so wrestling, it seems like it, it's it, – That's I mean, my vent. That type of – yeah, exactly. That's my vent. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to steal that. That's definitely my vent. It's yours, man. Uh, so um, – Let's talk about, before we move on, uh, let's hear about that masked persona that you brought up uh, earlier. Um, All right. So uh, my luchador wrestling character is El Mano del Diablo, the hand of the devil. Okay. So what the character actually is, the way I view it, so the crowd just sees it, this crazy guy that that's, you know, being spoken to by the devil. I see it as this guy that has schizophrenia that believes that he's hearing these voices from Satan telling him... To, to be his hand, you know, he's his right hand. He's his, you know, like he's his guy. So that's the way I, I work. I, the term we use is work the character. That's how I portray the character. Okay. So I, I pay, I have a mask and I paint underneath it. I have one clear uh, contract contact I wear in my left eye. So it basically it's, it looks all white. So it looks like something happened to my eye. Uh, I, I paint my chest with a red handprint and I do a bunch of, a lot of weird ritual looking paintings on my arms. And, uh, th- that's basically, and I've had, uh, I had the skull that would carry the ring. Sometimes it would smoke and I've done different things like that with dry ice. So it's basically, it's, it's more of that, that character is more of a visual than anything. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's cool cause it pulls the crowd in right away. And I had music that was made for that character that I could use if it was ever going to be on TV. So I made an entrance for it. It's basically like it's a really cool visual. And once I get in the ring, like you already know what the character is. You know, so many guys, they, they're just that wrestler guy and mm-hmm. a pair of trunks with boots. And, hey, I can go out and do all these cool moves. I want the crowd to be pulled in the match before I even throw a punch, before I even lock up with a guy. The crowd already knows, oh, what is this? Like, what is this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they want to watch just to see what he's going to do. Uh, my next question, uh, what? tell me about, uh, like, your finisher moves or your signature moves. And I guess we could talk about for Caleb Stills because that's, that's your most uh, common persona that you use nowadays. Yeah. But you can just talk about it generally, too, like how you come up with them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah. So Caleb Stills, when I first started doing the character, I called it the new tradition. So it was like a spin on old school. And basically, it was a really mat-based, but I was trying to do a lot of British wrestling, like uh, British chain wrestling, which is the grappling part of it. So a lot of cool reversals and stuff. But when I started doing it, that wasn't the trend in wrestling. Nowadays, now it's cool to do some actual wrestling, especially with the the popularity of MMA and UFC. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I've adapted some styles with it. I do some Japanese style, like uh, some of the the quick strikes I hate the term strong style. In Japanese wrestling, they have this term called strong style. So guys think that it means hit a guy as hard as you can. But it's not because the crowd knows what we're doing is a, is a work, mm-hmm. is a show. So it's basically hitting people solid in, in correct spots, you know, safe, safe areas, not hitting people right in their temple or in their ear and busting out of their eardrum. So basically my style is I like to do quick bursts of speed. So I, I do things like I'll, I'll drop kick a guy's knees that are down to one knee, and then I'll hit the ropes and I'll do a jumping. It's basically a, called a leg lariat, but it's a clothesline with your leg. So I do short bursts of speed. I do some submissions, and I do I do strikes and brawling. It's more of like 
wrestling meets brawling is the best way I, I would say. Okay, that's so cool. I'm so I'm learning so many terms t- today. Like no, like, no problem. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to make a, a point to explain what the term is when I say it. So. Yeah, no, no, because I'm so used to saying them. It's just second nature to me. No, it's so interesting. Like I wrote something like marking out and like welcome to the business, and you know that's yeah. it's really interesting, man. It, it, and you're talking about all these different sort of traditions and, and styles, and you're talking, oh, the British do this, Japanese do this. You know, yeah. Really interesting. So. Yeah, and Japanese also, like, a lot of their stuff, it, it, and it's also, like, they're not actually hitting guys as hard as they can. But that's the way some American wrestlers see it, and they think that's what it is. What it is is theirs is more about respect, and it's more of a struggle for power. You know what I mean? Like, the guys are fighting. Like, they'll do a lot of strike exchanges, like forearms, and then they'll do chops to the chest, and then they'll do kicks to the chest, and then they'll do headbutts. And they'll do until one guy uh, – normally they'll do a thing where the both guys – we call it a double down. Both guys fall, and then they'll work – they'll fight up, and then one guy will take over, normally the, the good guy or hero. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, like uh, you were asking earlier about – Heroes and villains. Nowadays, there's a lot of gray area, but it's starting to go more back to the good guy, bad guy. Oh, okay. I, I feel like, especially on the indies, you need that because it, it's a lot of families, a lot of kids. They're not going to understand this guy's this guy's trying to be like the new Stone Cold. A tween, we call him a tweener. Mm-hmm. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just him, which is cool just to have a cool character. But you have to lean one way or the other just so the crowd knows who to hate and who to like. Right. But that's a preference. Everyone has a ton of preferences. Uh, to go back to you were asking about uh, what moves. So I do a lot of drop kicks, like I said, a lot of brawling. I do a few submissions. And then I got a, co- a couple of moves I like to do that I've taken from other guys over the years. Like I like to do – they're just called uh, a varia- variations of a DDT. Like, I was talking about Jake the Snake. I, I like doing one where the guy's on one knee, mm-hmm. and I'll, like, like if he hits me, I'll kick his leg out, and then I'll hit the ropes, and then I'll just run and grab him and drop him on his head, which is what a DDT is. I know it, it's hard to it's hard, hard to explain it on a podcast. Yeah, 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 without actually showing. And the crowd, get, I mean, uh, people listening can't see it, but with my hands, I'm walking through everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is, this is like I said, this is really interesting, man. Uh my next question is: What is the biggest misconception about that pe- that the average citizen has about wrestling? The main one I would say is that the ring is a uh, trampoline or falling on a pillow. She's seen my back when I've came home some nights. Like, yeah, it, it depends on the ring. Like on the indies, not all the rings are gold. You know what I mean? A lot of them are kind of falling apart. Let me explain what a wrestling ring is. So most rings are four posts, steel posts. And then there's uh, side beams, and then there's cross beams. Now, some rings have wooden cross beams that go across it in the middle, and then you have uh, panels of um, wood that go over that, and then you cover that those panels with um, with the the padding, which is normally about an inch of foam, and then you put your canvas over. Now, I've wrestled in a few rings. There's one uh, locally that is carpet, not even carpet padding. It's layers. It's like three or four layers of carpet. And then the canvas is over top of that. Mm-hmm. So that's some serious. That's your rug burn. Then is what you get. When you do that. Yeah, pretty much. It, it would be like falling like in a boxing ring. Oh my gosh! With, with tighter ropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that's the biggest misconception is that the ring is a trampoline, and that we're just play fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel with all the documentaries that are out there, like they got a couple recently on Vice and all the movies, like you were talking about the wrestler. Which is a pretty accurate description of wrestling. 
it's a lot of hardship. If guys, there's guys that get into it thinking they're going to make a ton of money. You're, you're really not unless you make it to WWE and only their top guys make a good enough living where when they retire, they don't have to get another job. Right. Most guys, once they, I, I read this online. I want to say they're the average lifespan of a guy that gets signed to WWE is somewhere like between two and five years. I, I think that's what I read. And they're only making, I think the downside's like a hundred, 150 grand a year. You're, you're, and then you're paying all your expenses. That's a, that's another misconception. Everyone thinks that, that all everything's paid for for you. It all comes out. You get a fat, flat fee per show on the indies, but in WWE you get a downside. So you get a weekly check, and then you get paid for every show you do, whether it's a house show, TV, or pay per view, which is now just on their network on their website. They don't have regular pay per views anymore. And that's and then their merchandise money on top of that. But you're paying for your hotels, your gas. Um, most of them have to have their own insurance. They don't provide insurance. So, yeah. So it sounds like it's pretty much like like any other art or discipline right now. It's like there's a couple dudes that are doing insanely well. They're highly visible, and then everybody else is just some form of hustle. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just trying to find a way. And there on the indies, actually, there are some guys. There, there's a guy named Cole Cabana, is the most well known for doing this. A DIY type guy who started his own podcast. Ton of followers has sponsors. Uh, he promotes himself, ra- travels all all over the world for shows. He has his own website where he hawks his own merch. Like he started, helped start Pro Wrestling Tees, for it, which is a platform for all indie wrestlers to put their their designs, and they'll mail out the shirts. They'll make the shirts and mail them out for you, and you get a cut. So like that, like he makes a living. He makes a comfortable living, but overall, not many guys are. Yeah, that's you, like I, I interview a lot of musicians, and that's it. Sounds exactly like them, where they're like, you know, like. I mean, some people get signed and they make it to the, you know, the the major labels or whatever. But for the most part, you're it's D, DIY. Like you're you're out there doing it yourself. And, yeah. Uh, and trying I mean, to sell your 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 band shirts at the shows. Yeah. Trying to sell yeah. tickets to your friends. Trying to make enough money to go uh, produce an album. Yeah. Um. So it's very similar to that. So uh, I'll go back to what time is it here? How much time I got left? Oh, we got plenty of time. Got a quarter. Uh, um. So tell me tell me about like. Uh, how you stay in shape and uh, how you keep yourself, you know, competitive uh, when you're not in the ring. All right. Well, the older I get, I uh, it's more about body preservation. So I don't lift heavy anymore, but I lift five, six days a week. I I, I try to, and it sounds kind of hippie-ish, but I listen to my body. Like if I need a day off, yesterday I took a day off because I went to the gym and I got there and I'm like just feeling sluggish. I'm like, I need the day off. So I, I feel like a lot of people, if they listen to their body, they'd be in better shape because a lot of people overwork and then they get injured and then they stop working out. So I would say anywhere from three to five days is good. But for me, it's four to six days of weights, which I go light. I'm more trying to work on my range of motion. I do a warm up that's 10, 20 minutes, like stretching. And then at the end of it, I'll, I'll do another like 10, 15 minutes of stretching. And I, a buddy of mine tra- uh, teaches DDPY, DDP yoga. So I take some elements from that and a bunch of yoga DVDs I've watched over the years to come up with my own little routine. But it, everything I do is about range of motion and about just getting, like, oxygen into the, you know what I mean? Like, just trying to get the blood flowing and that's, get a good workout, good sweat in. That's that's interesting because I, I – uh... I, I don't I, – I, a year ago, I was going to the gym religiously. Uh, okay. I, I was going three three days a week minimum, and I was lifting. I'd not 
too familiar. I, I did hire a personal trainer for, for a couple months, for like two months. Um, I passed out once wow. uh, <laughs> at, at the gym. The ambulance came. It was, uh, it was quite interesting. Dang uh, and uh, so that was when I was like, as you said, like listen to your body. I was like, okay, yeah, well, I won't do that again. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That's an extreme example, yes. Yeah, but uh, so, the, the, I mean, where was I going with that? Uh, I mean, because like you were saying earlier, and the, actually we can talk about this now. The you, you've had a couple of concussions, right? And yes. like, so how do you um, how do you avoid, you know, because uh, I mean you've been doing this for for twenty years now. Yeah, you're how, how old are you? 30, 39. thirty nine. Thirty nine. So twenty, almost twenty two years. Yeah. So I mean, this summer will be twenty two. You mentioned body preservation. Like, I mean, how do you now that you've had you know concussions and things like? I mean. You could tell us first of all about the concussions and like the stories, and then uh, and then how do you going forward? How do you keep that in mind and make sure that you don't hurt yourself any anymore? Uh, so I've had probably it's hard to know because I didn't go to the doctor, which wasn't bright. Like I'm trying to be better about that. She gets on me now. If I, I check him now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he takes a headshot, I'll check him for a concussion. <laughs> Uh, I haven't really gotten a concussion in a while. I, I, I would say I have four to six. No, none of them were – maybe one major. But other than that, they're all like uh, – they call them bell ringers. Like you see a little bit of a white light. I, I never was like I don't know where I'm at or what my name is. But it was like I could see – my vision was blurry, uh, severe headache, nauseous, like uh, a little bit of um, aversion to light. Like light, bright light would bother me. But uh, so I, I took time off is how I dealt with it. And uh, now I don't – I won't let no chair shots to the head, uh, no strikes to the head, no dropping me on my head. Like there's there's certain moves I won't take now mm-hmm. the older I get. And it's not being a jerk. It's just being safe for me. Like there's still more entertaining stuff we can do without the guy picking me up and giving me a brain buster, which is picking a guy up for like a suplex, having him straight upside down. And making it look like you're dropping on his head, but what you do is at the last second turn and put him on his shoulders. Too many guys don't take care of people with that. So it's like I'm not – I call him high and tight. I won't take anything that's high and tight, whether it's a suplex or a powerbomb. Only only take things that I trust people with. Like I'm not going to take a pile driver. Which uh-huh. are, you, are you familiar with the, what a pile driver? I've heard, I've heard, I've heard the, term. the term, but now that I think about it, is it like is it uh, where the dude is like got the one guy by his legs and his legs are like over the dude who's standing up? In the head between the legs, yeah, yeah and he just kind of sits down. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a pile driver. There's a lot of variations, but that's the standard. Like the I call it the Jerry Lawler. Uh-huh. Jerry the King Lawler was the first guy doing pile drivers that I know of. But yeah, so I won't I won't take anything like that. It's just being safe, just being smart, like common sense, which I don't always have, as you can ask Kate. But for the most part, I try to use it better now than I did before. And to go back with like working out, that's why I work out the way I do because I'm more limber than I was even in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So and I have better conditioning. Like oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. I do I do cardio almost every day. Just the elliptical or uh, elliptical the the. The I'm not sure what's called the bike, but not the low rider bike. More of like the bikes that you use for spinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those. I'll trail run occasionally during during the summer, but I won't run on sidewalk just because of my joints. I don't want to damage my hips and knees any more than they are. Like I don't have anything nagging me now, but in the past I've had problems with sciatica and a little bit of a left knee problem, and I've torn both rotators. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And actually, my right shoulder – and these I did get checked out, so I know for sure uh, that both were torn 
just slight tears. And then on my right, I also tore the labrum. So, so that really about like it, I have a hard, I not that I was right handed anyways, but I would never be able to throw a right handed baseball now. Oh wow! There's no way. Like it, it'd go maybe ten, fifteen feet. It's pretty. My right arm's a lot weaker than my left. Well, um, yeah. I mean, you like I said, you really love this sport. I mean, cause you just you just you know use yeah, yourself on it. Yeah, when you, are, you when you like, when guys go, I put my blood, sweat, and tears in it. I've definitely put all three of those. Um, what is because uh, we're we're starting to wrap up here, but uh, right. I, I do want to ask you, what is your personally like most memorable match out of the twenty years? I know that's a long period of time to pick from, but just out of curiosity, there's a couple that pop up. But the first, the main one I can remember is uh, a guy I saw start out, and I, he surpassed me and made it on national TV for TNA for Impact Wrestling. Chris Saban, he was part of the Motor City Machine Guns, and he was just a natural. Just like the first time I ever saw him step in the ring, I, I saw him early on in his training. Just everything you're asking me how I pick, if I picked everything up right away, he did. Mm-hmm. It was like he was he'd been doing it for 20 years, and he was like 18, 19 years old when he started. And just to see what he's done was is amazing. So I got a chance to wrestle him. It was in the late 2000s, I want to say 07 or 08. We did a bigger uh, show at Royal Oak Music Theater mm-hmm. called uh, Revolutia, and I wrestled Helmet there, and that's one of my favorite matches. And everyone, we were the third, we were either second or third match on the show. I think we were second. And the reason I bring this up because uh, everyone comes up to us afterwards and goes, "Man, that was hell of a match, great job!" Like I was riding a high for about ten minutes, and then the next match finished up, and everyone was like. I can't believe that just happened. A buddy of mine that runs a local wrestling school, House of Truth, Truth Martini, wrestled Christopher Daniels, who is a legend in wrestling. He now is in Ring of Honor, but he's been in TNA and Impact Wrestling. He's had a cup of coffee, like tryouts in ECW and WWE. Uh, they they basically tore it down. They tore the house down. Like mm-hmm. They got, basically had a standing ovation from the locker room and the crowd. And it was like everything that I put into my match, I'm like, I was happy for him, but it was just like the air just got lit on my balloon. Like, this is one of my best matches ever, but they're not going to remember it because it got topped by that. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. it was still like I would say that that's the one that pops up in my head. But I've had a couple. Uh, two years ago at Cobo Hall, XICW Wrestling had a show there. They actually had one last year, last October, too, but. Uh, two Octobers ago, I got to wrestle one of my best friends and my mentor in wrestling. His real name is Dave Sainaji. We went by uh, Outlaw Bobby Lee. I got to wrestle him in a singles match for his last match. Really? So actually, I would have to say that was it was really cool to do that for him. Um, what do you got coming up in the future, man? Is there anything you want to promote? Or uh, uh, Yeah, we, I, I got a ton of good shows coming up. This weekend, I'll be LPW, which is Live Pro Wrestling in Fremont, Ohio. At this theater called The Strand, really cool little show. I mean, it's like two hours away from here, so I don't think anyone that's going to want to travel from the Detroit area. But it's a really cool, like family friendly show. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, the day before Cinco de Mayo, May fourth, I am wrestling as part of Ulala Lucha, which is like I was talking about alternative re- wrestling shows. It's got burlesque, it's got a mariachi band. Uh, we get legit luchador legend, legends from Mexico. We actually have a Japanese legend. We have uh, Ultimo Dragon is the headliner this year. And I actually get to wrestle a friend of mine. Uh, I'm wrestling as El Mano del Diablo against uh, El Ridiculoso, who's a really goofy, like, Hillman uh, Mysterious Movado are called the Party Monsters, and she calls them the Piñata. 
He the, looks like a pinata. Oh, and that's the guy that you want to throw candy. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, he yeah. should be throwing. Like we, if we someone might hits him, him hard enough, he should throw candy into the crowd. We might be able to get, make that happen for that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But that, that show I'm really excited for. They always sell out, and that's at St. Andrew's Hall. Okay. And that's downtown. the day before Cinco de Mayo? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's on Saturday. All righty. Um, well, hey, man, we freaking burned through that hour just like I knew we would. Um, thanks yeah, so I'm much. sorry. There's so many other stories I didn't get to no, get man, the road trip. You didn't even get to hear about Sal. You didn't get to mm. – Well, it's, it's – it, <laughs> I always say like I, I, I would rather end the show having more than we need than, than you know uh, – you know, I have like 45 minutes left to, you Dead know, two hours or, yeah. or, or I'm like, I'm, I'm, all my questions are crossed out, you know, but, uh, but dude, no, this has been great. Thank you for coming on. Oh um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you out there. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank um, you, sir. Uh, you guys are looking for a house and all that. So, uh, yeah, I think we have found one, but yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so, yeah, I will be back uh, next week. Who the hell am I interviewing? Uh, oh, it's, um, uh, a, a friend of mine from a, that I met in an acting class, same acting class. I've had a couple of different people on uh, the show uh, so far. Um, but it's uh, her and her husband. And her name is Raina Mystique. She's a musician from Toledo. And then uh, her husband also has a podcast called We Speak English Good uh, that I was on back in uh, January. So they'll both be be here um, and uh, looking forward to talking to them. They were supposed to come in in February, but we weren't able to do it. Um, so we rescheduled and it's already it, – It's I can't believe it's April already. Uh, years flying by. But um, yeah, Caleb Stills, Dave, uh, thanks again for coming Thank on, you, man. Sir, and, I appreciate uh, it. This has been American Winer on podcast 